Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are starting the week off on a mixed note. Tokyo and Sydney both trading up more than 1%. Seoul is in the red. The Kospi is down about one-third of a percent. Investors are monitoring a COVID wave in China, as well as developments in the Russian-Ukraine war. On top of that, interest rates are set to take center stage again this week with decisions both by the U.S. Fed and the Bank of Japan. Joining me now to break down all the market action after a wild weekend, Ryan Huang, how are you? I'm doing good. Hi, how's your weekend, Michelle? <laughs> uh, wonderful. A lot more socializing. Wild as well. <laughs> Do you feel like uh, things are opening up? I have that sense that things are slowly opening up. So there is some light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that's what a lot of people are looking forward to. You know? And this is something I'm seeing in the papers, how businesses are starting to roll out all those uh, programs again, promotions. So it's... Uh, uh, great rest of the year to look forward to. Yes, it does feel that. I mean, on the ground, it does feel like there are more events to head to as well. Uh, you know, more corporations putting together larger scale events as well. All right. Can you believe the first quarter of the year is nearly over? There's only another two and a half weeks left in the quarter. So far, suffice to say, the first quarter has been a volatile one for financial markets, both globally and here at home. This week, attention turns to the U.S. Federal Reserve, which is set to raise interest rates for the first time since 2018. This new rate hike cycle has been highly anticipated by markets, but it is unprecedented in terms of timing. How so? Yeah, so this is really interesting timing to be doing anything right now, especially so if you're the Fed Chair Jerome Powell. So he's got a task ahead of him. And of course, as you outlined, we are expecting the first rate hike in a series of rate hikes to come later this year. So that will be something markets will be watching very closely. And in the backdrop, we've got so many things happening. I think right at the top of the list is how all that's leading to uncertainty, jitters and volatility in the markets. And if you look at the VIX right now, it is trading above um, 20 on most days in the past few months. And that is, of course, seeing a recent um, high of more than 37 on February 24th and all around when Russia began invading Ukraine. So that is just causing a lot of worries and just throws in a lot of spanners in the equation when it comes to what could go wrong and what needs to be done. So it is a very difficult thing right now, the um, outlook for the economy to forecast when you have inflation going up and also how all that could mean slower growth ahead. A few weeks ago, many analysts expected the Fed to start raising rates by as much as 50 basis points this week. Ryan, to what extent has the Russian war in Ukraine upended this calculus? Yeah, I think uh, you had that conversation going on in the past few weeks, especially in the start of the year. And you have to really cast your mind back to the late part of 2021 when we were talking about 25 basis points and then started to pick up to 50 basis points on the back of a lot of those indicators uh, showing higher than expected inflation, 40-year highs in the US. And that was just feeding into the expectations that the Fed might become more aggressive. And then came along the um, latest news around how the Ukraine war could feed further into those inflationary pressures with commodity costs, especially around energy. So that is the big concern right now. If things get too hot too fast, if prices rise too fast, too high, mm. uh, it could see many implications. And the main one is how that could be a pullback in consumer spending. Uh, because if you have high energy costs, for example, at the gasoline um, pumps, 
for petrol and for businesses, that could mean a cutback on consumer spending. And for the US, that is almost 70% of the US economy. So you've got two things to balance here. One is inflation and one is the outlook for the economy. If your costs of doing business becomes too high, you could see the recovery in the economy being derailed to some extent. So you now have a lot of market watchers starting to dial back on a 50 basis point hike to 25 basis point hike because they feel the Fed might not want to be too aggressive right now and to take a more um, gradual approach towards raising rates, right? Front load those uh, hikes. Okay, let's turn to the war in Ukraine specifically. Russia is reportedly asking China for military aid. It's also started bombing bases in western Ukraine, closer to the Polish border, leading some analysts to worry about a possible spillover into the NATO country. And Russian, Vladimir, Russian President Vladimir Putin has warned that foreign military shipments to the Ukraine are fair military targets, again sparking fears that the war could expand. So what are the key developments in Russia and Ukraine do traders have their eyes on this morning, Ryan? Okay, as you pointed out, we have some things to watch when it comes to what's happening in China. Russia uh, reportedly asking China for military equipment uh, since the past few weeks when the invasion started to get underway. So, of course, that will undermine what the West is trying to do with its sanctions. If they, if Russia can find a loophole around all the sanctions, then it will not be effective. So that's going to be one to watch to see if we get anything. And talking about China, uh, the US, the U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan is set to meet China's top diplomat Yang Jiajie in Rome today. So that is likely to be at the table in terms of conversations. And he has warned that Beijing is going to face consequences if it helps Moscow evade those sweeping sanctions. So a bit of a showdown almost when it comes to meetings today. And talk about meetings, we have the Russian and Ukraine diplomats set to meet again. So they are set to resume talks by video conference um, today. And of course, we've seen how previous rounds have led to very limited progress. I'm not even sure if we can call it progress, but at least they are still talking. So that could be the positive to take away from that. Um, so that's going to be the main events to watch as we see how markets start to adjust to the latest headlines. If we check in on oil prices this morning, they continue to ease back a bit from last week's high. Brent crude trading south of 111 US dollars a barrel. West Texas selling for 107 dollars per barrel. Oil companies still attracting plenty of interest, though, including from one of the world's most closely watched investors, Warren Buffett himself. So last week, Ryan, we talked about how Berkshire Hathaway was buying shares of Occidental Petroleum. It seems he hasn't let up. So what's the latest here? He has bought even more. So he has spent another $1.5 billion to add another 27.1 million shares of Occidental Petroleum to Berkshire Hathaway's portfolio. And this was at a price of around 56.60 on average. The latest close is 57.95. So it was looking at just how he bought in at the lower price. Looks like a bargain already. So this is going to mean Berkshire will have nearly 12% of a stake in Occidental. And this will now mean Occidental moves to ninth place in terms of biggest holdings under Berkshire Hathaway for publicly traded US shares. And it actually could be more because he's also holding on to warrants that can 
see his stake go up if he exercises them. So this is uh, for warrants to buy nearly 84 million shares. Mm -hmm. So if he does buy that, it could go up to 20%. And the warrants have an exercise price of 59.62. So right now, the price just a few dollars away from it, 57.95. So if he does... Nope, exercise those um, rights, he is already going to see a lot of profit. The share price of Occidental Petroleum has doubled since the beginning of the year. All right, sector of the markets that's certainly not doing so well is China companies. And this has been particularly evident in the Hong Kong trade. So shares of dual-listed Chinese companies in Hong Kong took a big hit on Friday. Some companies even suffered double-digit losses. What's the latest impetus for the sell-off, Ryan? It looks like more worries or renewed concerns about the clamp down from China is starting to resurface and you also got a bit of a, a clamp down coming through from the US and this is around the SEC naming five US listed American ADRs uh, of Chinese companies. They say they, they failed to adhere to the Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act. So pretty much um, there are some auditing and accounting issues and these ADRs, ADRs um, according to the regulators have not been compliant with the auditing standards. So they are now at risk of being delisted from the US exchanges if the regulators are unable to review the company audits for the past three years to a satisfactory level. So that is something that seems to be spooking markets when it comes to US listed Chinese companies. The likes of JD.com plummeted 15.7%. We saw the likes of uh, EV maker Neo. Uh, down 11.6%. Alibaba also facing trouble and Baidu under pressure as well alongside NetEase. So all these pressures um, just possibly pointing to more downside in the coming days. You mentioned JD.com. I want to drill down a little bit on JD's business because shares of JD.com have been amongst the worst hit uh, on Friday. We've seen them fall more than 15% after the e-commerce platform reported a quarterly loss the day before, Thursday. Meanwhile, JD.com's logistics arm is making headlines. JD Logistics has made an offer to buy another Chinese logistics company. They're called Depon. Uh, Sale uh, price, 1.4 billion US dollars. So if this deal goes through, Ryan, do you think it's good or bad news for JD.com? I mean, it certainly seems like the company could use some good news. Well, I think it is good in the sense that it will be expanding its infrastructure. And uh, what better timing? Because it is boom time in e-commerce. Everyone's been jumping on this huge industry. And with the acquisition or the increased stake, it will be able to just do more. And Depon is a courier company. It has services for warehousing management, delivery services, and the usual transport staff. So it will possibly go some way towards contributing to synergies and just cutting down on operational costs. So that is possibly going to be positive for JD.com. One more Chinese stock to consider this morning is the ride-hailing company Didi. Its shares plunged 44% on Friday. That is a huge plunge. So two questions for you about this, Ryan. First up, why did investors dump Didi? Yeah, it seems to be all around the earlier uh, point about how US regulators have been clamping down on the auditing of many Chinese companies. And it seems like that is also spooking the likes of the big tech companies like Didi. And this down 44% on Friday, the biggest one-day drop for the Chinese right-hailing company since it went public last year in June. And the stock is now 
87% below its IPO price. And this is really just the latest of many worries. And of course, uh, it has had to shelve its Hong Kong IPO for some time because apparently the Chinese regulators, regulators were not happy with how things were being set up because of um, the data issues that they feel will pose a bit of national security um, problem for the Chinese government. So something that could be in for tougher days ahead if things don't turn around for Didi. Didi does have some high-profile backers, including SoftBank and Uber. So how might their businesses be affected by Didi's plunge? Okay, so if you look at the holdings, let's start with SoftBank first. They own 20% of Didi. So they do account for those investment holdings in their earnings. So it is not looking good right now. Right now, the holdings are at a value of $1.8 billion and they spent $14 billion at the time of the IPO or rather they saw their value at at least $14 billion uh, at its highs. So it is seeing quite a huge markdown and possibly uh, write-off of the value of DD for SoftBank. And Uber owns a 12% stake in DD and their stake is now worth over $1 billion today, falling from more than $8 billion uh, just nearly a year ago. So for these two companies, it does not look very good when it comes to their value in their holdings for Didi. As we discuss China and Hong Kong, it is worth highlighting the different paths that they are taking, particularly as compared with here in Singapore with regards to COVID-19. This week, we open up a bit more. Hong Kong, though, says 300,000 people are currently in isolation or quarantine because of COVID-19. And across the border, China is imposing a lockdown in Shenzhen. Ryan, tell us more. What is the latest on China's COVID-0 policy? Yeah, and it's starting to see another city on lockdown. Of course, Tech Hub Shenzhen is going to be in focus and a lot of Chinese companies have operations in Shenzhen. So we'll see how markets digest the latest headlines if we see the tech companies under pressure.